Welcome to The Experience here on ESPN LA. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a a great boss event coming up, and I'm speaking with Mr. Everett Glenn. He is president of the Education and Leadership Institute and doing all great things for young people here in Southern California and around the world. Welcome, Mr. Glenn. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here again. Yes, uh, we always love having you on the show, and this year is the third annual Boss Awards that is taking place January 25th. Right. Yes. Tell us about that. The program Boss, which stands for the Business of Success Beyond Sports. And so we have about 125 boys uh, who participate in baseball, basketball, football, soccer, water polo, and uh, martial arts and all kind of stuff. And we show them how to leverage uh, the skills and uh uh, the lessons that they learn in sport uh, to develop the character and the discipline and the habits and the skills uh, to pursue success uh, beyond sport with an emphasis on STEM and uh, fields that require critical thinking, critical writing, and those kinds of skills. And uh, the program is built on six pillars, uh, being mentally, physically, socially, economically, uh, spiritually, and emotionally boss. Mm-hmm. And so uh, next Saturday, uh, we will celebrate six individuals who we think are spiritually, economically, emotionally, physically, socially, and physically boss, uh, including Richard Sherman, uh, the all-pro cornerback from looks like Super Bowl-bound San Francisco 49ers, Dr. Ludlow Creary, uh, who for the last 50 years has been serving low-income residents in Southern California and delivering health care. Um, Tisha Nix, who's the president of the Laker Foundation, uh, Pastor Wayne Chaney from the Preachers of L.A. is our Spiritually Boss Award winner. Uh, Michelle Smith-Ballard, a vice president at Turner Construction, is our economically boss winner. And uh, this year we'll actually also uh, recognize uh, Willie Gall. Willie Gall will be getting our Legends Award. Uh, he's been, uh, I represented Willie when he played for the Chicago Bears. All right. Uh, and then we actually got our first senior award. We got our first two seniors. Uh, we've been doing this for five years. And so uh, Andrew Pierce, who's now a senior at Millican High, will be a freshman at Long Beach State studying computer science. Wonderful. And then Clark Phillips, who's been with us three years, is the fourth rated cornerback in the country who originally committed to Ohio State, but then changed that commitment and actually enrolled early uh, two weeks ago at the University of Utah as their highest rated recruit in their history. Mm. And so we get, uh, we'll recognize these amazing individuals. And this year, what's going to make this program unique is that the boys will be actually running the program. Yes, I see. So, I see you have Darius Williams, Jacob Brannon, and is it Makash? Makai Williams. That's that's Jake. That's Darius's big brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, Makai. Yeah, we have uh, twelve sets of brothers. Makai is a tenth grader. He's an amazing basketball player and student athlete at St. Anthony's in Long Beach. Uh, he's the, probably one of the leading scorers on their basketball team, which is ranked probably seventh or eighth in the area. They're twenty-two and one, 
And uh, Darius is his young brother. Darius has been with us three years, and he's only in the seventh grade. Mm. <laughs> and this event, again, is January 25th at the Long Beach Airport Marriott. And how, right. how can we get tickets uh, to attend and celebrate these young individuals as, as, as well as the winners of the Boss Awards? Uh, well, you can go to Eventbrite and just uh, look up uh, the Boss Awards on Eventbrite. That's the... Uh, Tickets are available there. That's the only place you can get tickets. Uh, we're expecting a full house. Yes. Um, but if you go to Eventbrite and just look up the Boss Awards, uh, you can pick up a ticket and join us. Yeah. We're actually up here now because, again, this is a year-round, multi-year program. So as we speak, uh, we've got about 50 of them in, uh, in the kinesiology building up here at Long Beach State, uh, working on developing their goals, what they want to be. And, Everett, I remember when you first started out and you came on the show and... Just to see the transformation and how much you've grown, just truly amazing. We, we, have, we have gone from just a few kids to, from a few kids up at Challenges Boys and Girls Club who, who, who wanted uh, a future, uh, a different and a brighter future, to now 125 and counting uh, who believe in our committed to success process. Mm-hmm. And um, it, had been, it's just, it, it is um, building a, a, you know, an organization, a nonprofit, but also building these young men. We've got, again, guys who were getting Bs and Fs because we don't cherry pick. You know, we don't uh, like a lot of programs. They want kids who have shown academic pro- pro- you know, promise but may have other barriers. Uh, we don't care about you know, where they are when we meet them. Because we're going to help them become more mentally boss and more physically boss and more spiritually boss and more economically boss and more socially boss and more emotionally boss. Mm-hmm. These are things they don't learn in school. Right. And if they can master these skills and these uh, traits and if they can develop these kinds of habits, then, then we know they're going to be able to become successful at something whether it's sports or something other than sports. And our goal is to help them prepare uh, for success beyond sports and, and in the process help them become better at sports because if, if their other business is handled, then they don't have to worry about, you know, people are always on top of them, like doing your homework. And mm-hmm. Have you done this? Have you done that? Uh, priorities and time management and all these kind of non-cognitive skills we put into these youngsters. So, yeah, we, we've come a long way. And um, this summer, we actually will, we're looking to expand to Cal State Dominguez mm. um, with the young ladies that you talked about before from EXP. Oh, that's fantastic. To service more kids, yeah. That's great. What are you doing today with your program? Well, we, we've decided well, one, what makes the program unique is the... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, where, you're, where you're at today, are you, you said you're in... Uh, we're at Long Beach State. Okay. Yeah, and and so part of the one one of the things that makes the program unique is the trainer train the trainer aspect, and so we actually have uh, students at Long Beach State who we work with to help them move beyond Long Beach State into the workforce and you know wherever they're trying to go, and then those same students now are working with our kids. So inside today we have two Long Beach State students who are actually delivering content. Uh, and what we're doing is a, a career assessment. We're trying to figure out from these kids exactly. Well, most of them have never even considered where you're trying to go, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, if you don't know where you're trying to go, then you haven't developed a roadmap to get you there, right? 
And so, exactly. uh, so the first thing, and, and not just to have a conversation about it, but they've had, they each have a notebook, which is like their playbook, the same as a playbook for their sport and that they take with them every place and they just make sure they got their notebook. And so now they're identifying goals and, and then we will also then identify strategies for achieving those goals. And then we check in with them, you know, throughout the whole year on their progress and then also what kind of help you need to achieve the goal. What kind of obstacles do you have that we can help you get around or get over or get through so you can achieve your goals. And so these kids are setting their own goals and we're just, as opposed to telling them what to do, we're just helping them do what they say they want to do. (laughs) That's great. What kind of challenges do you see that come up often? Well, because they play sports, time management is the number one Right. Uh, and then, and, and setting priorities uh, in terms of, um, you know, you can't work four hours on your game and then spend a half an hour doing homework. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you can do that, but then you probably will be a better athlete than you'd be a student. <laughs> right. <laughs> four hours working on your game and a half an hour doing homework. And so, again, we're just trying to put into these youngsters the things that we know work that worked for us. And give them to them at a young age because one of the observations that the Long Beach State students have made with the students is they wish they had been in a program like this where they could talk about and consider the kinds of things that the kids are considering now. Just even financial literacy. You know, these kids who are college students, they they don't know nothing about money (laughs) because most of them have never had jobs, so they've never had to file tax returns. And so they don't know the difference between gross income and net income. And uh, and so they're getting the benefit of the same thing we share with these youngsters. And so today we're just doing really with like a career assessment um, where we will have each of them and we put them in groups. They talk about their goals. They talk about strategies and what they think they need to do to achieve them. And they write this stuff down. And then we just monitor what they say they're going to do. Like uh, Andrew Pierce has been with us five years. He'll be graduating this year. He said he wanted to be a computer scientist. He said that when he was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means you got to take a lot of math. Okay, that means you got to take algebra in the eighth grade. Uh, okay, and so and it, that's one of the requirements. Another that's one of the goals of the district is for kids to be college ready. Is for them to take algebra in the eighth grade to test proficient in math and reading and those kinds of things. And so. So all these skills, I mean, the non-cognitive skills, I mean, we focus a lot on that, which again, many people like persistence, for example, um, Calvin Coolidge said it best when, you know, when he said that uh, there's nothing more important than persistence. Okay. There's nothing, uh, education and knowledge are not more important than persistence, just the ability to not quit, not give up. These are the kinds of things we're putting into these kids. Uh, and we mix that up with fun. Like we just went to the Laker game on Wednesday. Uh, and then we'll be going back to the Laker game in a couple of weeks when they play Houston for their Black History Month celebration uh, at Shaq's, Shaq's restaurant there. And so they, we, we, we mix in real-world experiences, opportunities for advocacy and service. Um, we do academic coaching. We do mentoring. And we start off every Saturday with wins. And that is where the kids have to stand up and say what they've done to improve or move forward on their goals, what kind of accomplishments that they had. And, and so one kid, uh, one of his wins was he, he he had a D in math, and now he's got an A in math. Okay, that's great. And so, and he has to tell the kids, well, how did you move from a D to an A? Mm-hmm. 
Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And so, and so he said, well, first of all, just put more time in. Yes. And then also getting tutoring now, because we provide tutoring for the kids free of charge for them. And so there's really no excuse. I mean, our goal basically is just to help remove any obstacle they see in their path to becoming successful. Mm-hmm. What and, about the skills that they learned? Let's let's go back to um, so they went to the Lakers game. Talk about that experience and what they took out from that game. Well, I mean, I don't know what skills they necessarily developed. One is just uh, follow instruction because at the arena and there's like 20,000 other people there. And and we have to keep track of everybody. So uh, we have to. And in fact, the Lakers told us to be in our seats at the start of the third quarter because they were going to show the group at the first time out oh, in the third great. quarter. Okay, so we tell the guys, okay, you can do whatever you got to do. You know, when we get to the game, here's where we're sitting. So you guys can, you know, move around and have fun, but you can't do nothing by yourself. So whatever you're doing, you got to do it in pairs. Okay, and then you got to be back here at your seat at the start of halftime. I mean, the end of halftime. So just to know to do that and then to be able to get back on the bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we tell the bus, so we got to, here's our meetup place. So again, you can do whatever you want to do, but here's where we're meeting, you know, with three minutes left in the game. So just being able to follow instruction in, 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 in an environment where they're just having fun, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to stop and think, okay, wait a minute, we need to be over here. <laughs> <laughs> At this Light, ba- basic so, life skills, right? Life skills. That's exactly right. Because I used to, when I represented pro athletes, I would say some of these guys, you they couldn't think they were out of a paper bag, right? You, mm-hmm. you put them in front of the airport and tell them their flight is gate seven. They wouldn't even know how to get to gate seven. Mm-hmm. They got to ask somebody instead of just looking and trying to figure it out themselves. And so that that was just, uh, but that was just more of a fun kind of an opportunity. We weren't necessarily trying to teach them anything, mm-hmm. but but that that those are the lessons we can confirm that they have because. We got to make sure everybody's, you know, that we bring, we also bring home with us, right? We don't leave. Exactly. <laughs> right. But, but we're giving them a chance to go out and, you know, experience the game and not just sit at their seat, but go see the different, you know, uh, things that they have at Staples Center for people to see, you know? Right. So... Again, you have the third annual Boss Awards taking place January 25th at the Long Beach Airport Marriott. And you're honoring a whole bunch of great people. But um, you were talking about Willie Galt, who is also being honored. And you represented him way back when, when he was in Chicago. So I remember you telling me a story about... Uh, how you guided Willie Galt and his contracts. Can, do you remember that story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, they did an article about it in Inside Sports Magazine because one of the, uh, so the, and actually that experience with Willie is sort of like, and, and other guys like Clark Kellogg and Jerry Rice and Richard Bent and Gil Bird and these kind of Hall of Fame kind of guys. What we did for them, we've actually scaled back a couple levels. So the plans for these kids starting in middle school. So in the case of Willie, most most pro athletes, uh, when they go pro, they hire an agent, right? And they hire the agent, become their mouthpiece, and they don't do anything, and you, everything's got to go through the agent. Well, hmm. uh, our philosophy is totally opposite of that, where we just advise the client, but we can't advise him if he don't know. And so we that means we have to bring the kid up to speed or the young man. So in the case of Willie's contract, um, 
he basically negotiated that. Uh, I took every, I take all the guys into the negotiating room with me, whereas most guys would just sit by the phone, wait for the agent to tell them, okay, we have a deal. And they don't know how they got to the deal. They don't know if the money is enough. They just stand because the agent tells them. Right. They're but being, they're, they're being led. Exactly what we do. So we sit down with Willie before contract started negotiations. So, okay, here, Willie, here's what we think is the most we can get. Okay. Here's a mid range that would be acceptable. And here's a number below which we, we won't accept. Okay. And so, uh, we had a negotiating session with Jim Finks, the general manager of the Bears, and at one point in that negotiation, I, I got up and left. <laughs> and Willie was there. Great. And, and I told Willie, you handle it, because <laughs> I can't seem to get him to move. <laughs> you know where we want to go, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go downstairs, and you just call me if you, if you can make up this difference, because they don't seem... They seem to think this is money that I want. They, they don't understand this is your position. Wow. Because I, I represent you. So if they think they can get you to accept less, then have at it. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so I go downstairs. I'm sitting on, in the porch, not the porch, but in the, in the office or the reception area of the Bears facility in Lake Forest. And about a half an hour later, Willie calls me. Uh, and says it's done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and so Jim thinks he says Willie Galt took over the negotiation. That's what he said in this article. Uh, it's better to receive because at the time Willie was trying to choose between going to the Olympics or going pro because he had made the eighty Olympics, uh, but they had boycotted because he's also uh, a hurdler and a sprinter. Had twelve Southeast Conference records when he left the University of Tennessee. And and had made the 80 team, but they boycotted. So uh, he drafted in 83. If he didn't go pro, he could actually go to the Olympics in 84. Uh, but he took the green uh, and went pro, and, and he was involved in his negotiations. So that means we had to teach him how to think and how to deal with this guy, this general manager who's made a living negotiating, and Willie Galt, who's made a living just being an athlete, but now he's handling his own business. And then he can take those skills. So for the rest of his life, he's able to handle things that most athletes can't handle because uh, he's not afraid to talk up. Oh, he's got confidence it. in himself. Yes. And uh, he went to, he's got a foundation called uh, Athletes for Life. And they take this uh, huge, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a, uh, a trailer. And they have it hooked up on a like a F one fifty, and they ride around into communities and deliver, um, uh, you know, so they can do tests and exams of people who oh, can't right. make them to the hospital. They mm-hmm. bring the hospital to the community, and so he needed a van or a truck to pull this big van, right? And 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 we were meeting one day over at the hotel. And, 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 and before he got to me, he came across some event that was going on and they had a big F-150 in the hotel. Uh, it wasn't a car show or nothing, but it had Ford or somebody associated with Ford had something to do with whatever was going on. And they mm-hmm. had a big F-150 in the lobby of the hotel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting up in the restaurant on the third floor and I'm waiting on Willie and I'm thinking, well, where's he at? I come downstairs. And Willie has negotiated with the guy 
to get the F-150. Fantastic. <laughs> to use in his nonprofit. Now, most guys just don't know how to ask for stuff because they're used to other people asking for them mm-hmm. and other people doing stuff for them. So they don't learn how to do for themselves. And if you can't do for yourself, you can't really help anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's what we put into these young guys. The same kinds of skills we put into Willie and Gil and Clark and Jerry and all these guys so that uh, they'll have a head start. And, and there's no reason why at all they shouldn't have a wonderful life exactly. because of the kinds of stuff and the time they're taking. So, you know, we have a lot of sayings in the program. One is you work on your game, you might make a living. You work on yourself, you can make a fortune. Mm. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's what these kids are learning how to do is work on themselves mm-hmm. and become all that they were created to be and not uh, accept the other limitations that other people might put on them based on, you know, the color of their skin or the neighborhood they grew up in or the school they go to or the fact that they, they got us, they not only got a single parent or, or grandma's raising them or whatever the circumstance is. In fact, I just had to pull one kid out. Uh, he's adopted, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's a black kid and he was adopted by a white couple. And, and so he's having some challenges with his identity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the couple that adopted him, they have, uh, two other kids who are their, uh, biological kids. And, and those kids are high achievers. And so, and he's feeling all kind of pressure because he can't compete with them or he doesn't think he can compete with them. And and so he's not getting the kind of results they're getting. I think one of uh, the kids is an engineer, another one is studying biomedicine or something. They're biological kids. This youngster who's in the program, he's in the ninth grade, and uh, he he's like sabotaging himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just because he doesn't feel good about who he is, because he doesn't understand why his mom and dad would have given him up. Dad is dad. Uh, mom, he has never met his mom. And uh, and so we were having a conversation, and I was relaying to him some of my own personal experience. Like, I mean, my dad was an alcoholic, okay? And so he was never around. I mean, and I told him, work backwards from my wedding. Mm. He didn't come to my wedding. He didn't come to my law school graduation. He didn't come to my college graduation. <laughs> he didn't come to my high school graduation. He didn't come to my junior high school graduation. Mm-hmm. He didn't come to none of the games or nothing I played in. So I had a choice to make, I told this kid. I could be mad at my dad. I could be mad at the world. <clears throat> or I could use that as motivation. Right. And that's what I did. I used it as motivation to achieve. And I, I mean, and I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but I was trying to get my dad's attention by just excelling, mm-hmm. just being the best at everything. Never got his attention, but in the process, I became the best. Yes. <laughs> so I wasn't mad at him. And on his deathbed, I forgave him because he did the best he could do. Right. So I'm saying to, to our kid here, again, you have a choice to make. You, you can, you know, cry woe with me. And you, you're not the only kid that's been adopted, right? They adopt kids every day, twice on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're not the only kid been adopted. And you're not the only black kid been adopted by a white family. Mm-hmm. The only thing unique about you is you unique. Yes. <laughs> but all of this other stuff that happens, it happens to everybody. And so the question is, what you going to do? Exactly. You're going to make excuses? You're going to sabotage yourself? You're going to blame other people? Or you're just going to do what you need to do in order to become successful like I did? 
Mm-hmm. And so these are the kinds of conversations we're having, and this is the kind of uh, input and feedback these kids are getting that they're not getting at school. Right. I mean, not even getting it at home because the mom and dad, they don't even know how to talk to the kid about the fact he's a black kid and how he might be feeling being raised by a white couple mm-hmm. until I brought it up to them. Oh, okay. Just, uh, I mean, I'm just inquiring. I'm not trying to, but that's what we're doing. We're, mm-hmm. we're getting all up in these kids' lives and, and in their situations and their circumstances so that they know we care about them. Right. And it's not about, you know, uh, and being critical or judgmental or anything about his adoptive parents. But if, if you want to help this kid, then you got to meet him where he's at. Yes. And okay. And he, and he's got friends and, you know, and again, the friends, when they see him getting dropped off and they see you guys dropping him off and, and they wondering, well, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> clear, clearly he's not their son biologically. Right? right. And so it's just, he's got, it's just like if they see me walk up, they know I'm a black man. That's the first thing they can see. And they know that. And so when he gets out of the car, they know something's up with this kid's life because these are not his parents, but he's introducing them as his parents. Mm-hmm. And so then kids are vicious, you know, yes. with each other. <laughs> yeah, they are. I remember. So he's got he's to deal with all of that kind of stuff, but he didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, we were actually, before you called, we were just sitting in the, in the lobby because the mom had called me, you know, um, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And how to deal with, well, I said, well, I'm glad you called because I've been wondering about his circumstance, but I didn't want to raise it until I felt comfortable because he's a new kid in the program. Oh, right. But now that we know about his circumstance, now we can help him deal with what he got to deal with so he can become successful despite what's going on, Mm. uh, you know, in his family situation and and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's a... It's a, definitely a process, and it's especially like, so this this past week I was thinking about exactly what you're talking about. What, what like I was having a difficult time, and I'm wondering, okay, what is it about me that is making this moment difficult? Am I, am I avoiding something to create more chaos and difficulties? And if so... How and why and how can I move past that? And um, I mean, I, I, I think it's great to be introspective and and know that even though, you know, you you may have a full time job or, you know, you have a, a nice family or still there are things that you may have in your path that you're blocking your future. Yes. I mean, there's challenges and everybody's got them. And, 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 you know, again, and I asked him if he knew what terminal uniqueness might mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, not really coach. I said, well, what does terminal mean? And he says, well, that's like deadly. Exactly. So there are people that suffer from terminal uniqueness. They think the issues and the challenges and the problems they have, Nobody else has. Mm -hmm. And because they think nobody else has them, they don't share them with anybody else because they don't think nobody else can help them. And all that's going to lead to is a deadly kind of situation with you because, uh, you know, in in this case, this kid is uh, doing bad stuff to get attention. Mm. Because his, his adopted brother and sister, they're getting attention, but they're getting attention 
from achieving. Mm-hmm. And so he, he doesn't think he can get attention from achieving, so he's going to get attention by doing dumb stuff. Mm. And we're saying, but, but no, you can achieve. I mean, how do you think, what do you think you need to do to, to achieve like your, your adopted brother and sister? He said, well, do the same thing I do. Well, that's exactly right. So <laughs> if you're not doing what they're doing, how would you think you're going to get the results that they get? Right. So just having them kind of conversations with kids where the kids are thinking and they are having input into the conversation as opposed to me just sitting down telling him, you shouldn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. You know, or, and you know, but how, the feeling is not right or wrong. The feeling just is. So how can I tell a kid he shouldn't feel how he's I can tell an adult they shouldn't feel how they feel, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so, but nobody's ever talked to him like that. Oh, wow. And, and he was, he was, in fact, he was on the brink of opening up <laughs> when you called. And I just oh. told him, we're going to finish, we're going to finish the conversation. But he didn't, I had to ask him for permission to talk because I told him I'd talk to his mom and dad. And, and I know he's got some stuff going on. I can just see it in his eyes. Oh. Okay, but let's 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 start talking about this stuff so we can get past because you got greatness in you, right? I know you got greatness in you. Your parents know. We just got to convince you <laughs> that yes. you got greatness in you, and then get you to do the kinds of things you got to do to get it out of you. Mm-hmm. And and he's open to that. And again, I mean, he almost started crying because you know he's got to have a lot of pain. I mean, because I told him again, my dad. Not being around, it was like I had a hole in my soul mm-hmm. and nothing could fill it. But I didn't even know how to articulate it. Yeah. And and, and, and I didn't know who to talk to about it. So I just never talked about it. And, and I just avoided talking about my dad, you know, when I was growing up. And, somebody, and so I was just becoming an achiever. So they want to talk about my dad. I'm going to talk about this A I just got. I'm talking about my dad. I'm going to just talk about all these points I just scored. <laughs> anything right. but not talk about my dad. But. And, and sooner or later, I got to deal with that. Right. Right. And and it was later for me. And, and so I had some issues and challenges that I, I didn't have to have had I dealt with it earlier. But I didn't know how to. And so we're just trying to give them some tools. And the first thing you do is just share and just talk. And, you, and that's usually when you find out that uh, it's like, uh, uh, you know, because I'm a recovering alcoholic and everybody and all these kids know it. I mean, I've been clean for 30 years, but I tell them, you know, you got to be transparent if you're trying to help them. You can't lie to them and make them think that your life is perfect. Right. Because nobody's life is perfect, right? Nope. And and so I tell them a story about this, uh, the guy who was an alcoholic, and this I just heard this story, not this, but not my story, but uh, and he was trying to get back on his feet, and he needed a car, and and he went to the dealership, and for some reason, something, something came to him, and he just shared his story with the guy at the dealership. And turns out the guy at the dealership was a recovering alcoholic, too. Mm. <laughs> and, and because he shared it with him, he said, look, we're going to do something to help you get a car. And the guy walked out with a car. But if he had not shared what was going on with him, if he just went in and said, I want to get a car, you know, and... And, you know, and then they looked up his credit and say, well, you know, you don't qualify. And then he would just walked out mad and disappointed. Right. So, but he, he shared what was going on. And to his amazement, the guy he's talking to asked him if he knew Dr. Bill. And he said, and Bill, and there's a Dr. Bill. And uh, I forget the chick I asked. He's born. The alcoholics and none of them. One is Bill and, and, oh. and Bill W. and Dr. <laughs> Bob. Bill W. and Dr. Bob. 
And if you say that to uh, a recovering alcoholic, they know that right away, that you're in the program. Oh. Bill W. and Dr. Bob, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you know them? (laughs) Because he didn't think, because this guy didn't look like what he's been through. Yes. (laughs) At the dealership, right? Yes. But once he told him, then they found that common ground, and he was able to meet that need of getting transportation, and the rest is history. So there's this value in sharing, but you got to feel safe. Yes. Because you don't want people to judge you. And that's what I'm telling this kid. I mean, I mean, this is so, so I told him my story first mm-hmm. before I asked him. I told him about my dad and the fact that my dad was alcoholic and he wasn't around and, and what I had to do to make up for that. And, you know, by having, you know, the guys at the rec center and my coaches and, and my male teachers. So I had about 12 dads. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> Just from other people to stand in the gap. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they brought you up here to this program. Because they know you need to uh, to be around people that look like us, that mm-hmm. look like you, but not to the exclusion of anybody else, but that they can't give you what we can give you. Mm-hmm. They haven't had the same kind of experience, and they don't even know how to talk to you about what's going on because they didn't know your mom or dad either. Right. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, so it's, 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 it's way beyond... Uh, the academics is about how can we, again, help this, these, these boys uh, do better and deal with whatever they have to deal with to get past whatever they got to get past so they can move forward to success. I was just talking to this gentleman last week, uh, Dr. Phil Stutz. He's uh, one of the top psychiatrists to the stars here in Hollywood, and um, we were talking about sharing and how you need to, how he has like these these tools that he uses to help people get ahead. And I'm asking him, how do you get to to the point where if you have someone in front of you and they don't want to share, what is that about? And and he was explaining how, you know, sharing your life, you know, when someone comes in the room, you acknowledge them, or if you pass by, you're expanding your life. You are the total, you know, life unit uh, when you express yourself, when you acknowledge somebody. I was trying to see how if someone that has grown up in a way that they don't want to share your life, just like you were saying, it just, it takes practice. It takes practice. And you being so sincere with, you know, your students, it's like, they know, they know if you're lying, they can see, you know, if you, you know, you're not being open with them. And that builds that sense of, of, or builds that foundation that allows them to trust you and believe you. Well, and, and and beyond that, they can they can see I get I get past it, right? <laughs> and so if I get past it, you can get past it too. I know it seems like this is going to be with you the rest of your life, and and you don't know how you're going to change things. Well, you got to change things. Just the same way we tell them: if you can't change your friends, you have to change your friends. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you can't change your friends, you got to change your friends, and so. Um, so, so when they, so, so they get, they know that we care and and we can build that trust. But beyond that, if we share, um, and they see what our lives look like now, then they know that whatever it was we was talking about, we got past it, we got through it, we got over it, we got Mm -hmm. under it, whatever it is, 
Uh, we conquered it. Yes. And we didn't let it control us and determine what we do. Right. And how successful we are. Right, right. And, and that's really the nature. I mean, and if you had to describe it in a nutshell, we're just trying to take these kids and show them that they, I mean, we can tell them they can become anybody because we had a black president, but that don't mean you can become anybody just because Barack Obama was president. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do what you need to do, it don't make a difference if the next president is Jesse Jackson. It won't make no difference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are you going to do? And, and that should just be proof that it's possible. I guess that's about all you want to take it for is proof that it's possible. But you still got to do the work because they ain't giving nobody nothing but trouble. Right. Do you talk about how like going into the future and once they have their career, maybe they're going to meet up with a difficult boss that when they're given their all, their boss is like this. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. Do you do you talk about skill strategies like that? We do, but we actually are not talking about them going to work. They, our kids, they, they want to go to work just to get skills, but they ultimately want to become entrepreneurs or their own boss because when we talk about this financial literacy, they all know, and one of them last year said at the banquet that we're going to have next week, um, he asked the audience if anybody in the audience had heard of the cash flow quadrant, and this was a seventh grader mm-hmm. asking a group of adults, many of whom are professional. Uh, and they looked at each other, the cash flow quadrant. <laughs> What's the cash flow quadrant? Right. Well, it's a quadrant first. Okay. So that's like, if you do like a tic-tac-toe, you do the X and then the vertical and the horizontal. And then in one quadrant, you put 95% and directly opposite that 95%, you put 5%. And above the 5%, you put 95%. And opposite that, you put 5%. And what the quadrant tells us is, Five percent of the people share ninety-five percent of the money, hmm. and ninety-five percent of the people share five percent of the money. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a fact of life. Okay, so who do you think are these five percent of the people who share ninety-five percent of the money? Because we don't tell them anything; we just ask them questions. We we just lay the platform. So who do you think is in the five percent? And they raise, you know. Business owners, exactly. Mm-hmm. Investors, exactly. Okay. Now, who do you think is in the 95% that shares in 5% of the money? The people that work for other people. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So now, by show of hands, who wants to be in the 5% that makes 95% of the money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody raises their hand, right? Right. Okay. So, so if you want to be in that quadrant... Here are the kinds of things that people in that quadrant do. Okay. First of all, they're brutally honest. Okay. They don't make excuses, you know, because that's another saying we get. You can make excuses, you can make money, but you can't make excuses and money at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so here's a kind, here's, here's a profile of the people in that 5%. Here's the profile of the people in the 95%. And there's nothing wrong with being in the 95% are the people that make 5% of the money, except your income going to be limited. Right. You still have a wonderful job. You can make six figures, but the guy who's paying you, he's making 20 <laughs> figures. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So if that's where you want to be, but, and here's, here's the profile of people who are in that 95%. They're not risk takers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they want to be comfortable uh, and and they, they they rely on other people to make sure that they have enough money to pay them. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. As opposed to going out there because you really, even if you're an employee, you're really like a independent person because if you don't produce, they're going to fire you. Right. So if you was out here on your own and you weren't producing, you just wouldn't have any money. <laughs> so yes. it's the same formula. It's just what the goal is. And they say, okay, well, Mr. Glenn, so now, so you was in the 5% that was sharing 95% of the money, but were you always in that? No, I wasn't. Okay, what I did first was after I graduated college in law school, then I went and got a job. Okay, so you have to learn and you got to build confidence in your abilities and that kind of stuff. So you, you want to go get a job, but you have you have this goal. Yep. Okay, and so like today, they're working on goals. And and so, and then, and then what are the strategies I'm going to employ to achieve the goal? So my goal was to be a lawyer for pro athletes. That was the goal, but the strategy included you know, going to college, going to law school, getting a job at a big firm and becoming a, a good lawyer. Right. And so when I went out there, I could uh, tell Clark Kellogg, you know, even though I had never represented a pro athlete, Clark, I represent IBM mm. and, and Wells Fargo. And here's the kind of stuff I did for them. So if you don't think I could do that stuff for them and I can't fill in this blank on your contract... <laughs> You know, you're not as smart as they tell me you are. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, so we, we teach them success strategies. Yes. And, and, and so again, if they, and, and they get them over time, you know, we, we're not expecting perfection, just progress. That's what we strive for progress. And that's why we reward them uh, for every good thing that they do. Yes, that's very important. Uh, This is ESPN LA. I'm speaking with Everett Glenn, and he has the Boss Awards coming up January 25th, uh, the 2020 honorees. Um, Some include Richard Sherman, Keisha Nix, Derek Simpson, Dr. Ludlow Creary, Wayne Cheney, Chaney. Is that right? Wayne Cheney. Wayne Wayne Cheney and Michelle Smith-Ballard. And for tickets, it's on Eventbrite. You could uh, go to Eventbrite and look up Boss Awards for January 25th. Now, Everett, uh, did you hear Marshawn Lynch last week talking about finances and what athletes need to do to take care of Uh, their money? I I heard a bit of it, but he was calling it. I didn't understand what chicken was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had to look that up too. <laughs> so I guess but, chicken is money. Yeah, well, that's what we're teaching them right now. How to? Uh, in fact, we have we just finished the series of uh, a three part series on. Actually, it was a five part series. I'm sorry, on the Big Five of money. <clears throat> and the guy who taught that uh, is a guy who was uh, um, basketball and tennis player at Vanderbilt and the first black guy to graduate from their business school. He's been an investor his whole life. And so we did a five part series on how to, how to position yourself to make it, how to protect it, how to make it grow, how to preserve it. And, uh, in fact, we started out with a, a video about Monte Carlo and, you know, they see the Maybox and all this other, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we tell them, you can't even go here unless you got a net worth of $5 million. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so so we, we show what it looks like. And but again, if you want to do this, then here's the kinds of things you gotta do. So we're not telling you what to do. We just say if you wanna do this, these are the kinds of things you wanna do. If you don't wanna live like your parents live now, if you wanna live in a better situation with your parents, you gotta do different than your parents. Mm-hmm. Watching them grow is like 
that's the reward, you know, and then see it come together, see the light bulb go on, see yeah. them get real serious. And uh, in fact, last night we had we had a conversation with one kid. He didn't want to come today because he wanted to go to Disneyland, right? <laughs> with, with, uh, with a group of his friends. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I said, okay, well, I mean, you could go to Disneyland if you want. What you going to learn at Disneyland? Right. And, and and how many times have you been to Disneyland already? And and again, and I start telling him about my experience and other people's experience and how you had to preserve this uh, instant gratification and just fun and you lay the foundation, and then you'll see the results down the road. I mean, <clears throat> and I get here this morning, and he's here. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. And, and, and his mom going to pick him up at noon so he could then go spend the rest of the day at Disneyland. I say you could do both of them. That's exactly right. Uh, I don't mind you leaving early, but why would you not come at all? Because at Disneyland, you're going to get a chance to ride three rides. You're going to be standing in line for six hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you could just come here till noon and then go. By the time you get over there, they may be at the front of the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you could ride something. Uh-huh. And uh, and you could see he he wanted to smile, but he didn't smile because he had made a decision. Yes. And, and, and I didn't have to tell him to do it, and his mother didn't have to tell him to do it. Mm-hmm. We let him make the decision. We just gave him reasons, pluses and minuses, that you make the decision. Yeah, and that's so empowering. Yeah, because now because he's got a single mom, and his mom is just on him and telling him what to do and telling him what to do and tell, and all all that's doing is creating friction between them, right? Because mm-hmm. she, I mean, even though what she wants him to do is right and and good for him, it's, it's just, I mean, these children, they, their brains are not fully formed and. And their thought and reasoning processes are not fully developed. And so uh, when you're just telling them what to do, as opposed to encouraging them to think for themselves and reason for themselves, we really stun their growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what you're talking about, like helicopter parents, that they they stunt the growth of the child because they're making everything correct, quote, uncorrect. End quote, right? Like they're trying to yeah. make guide the child in a way that is best for them, but not for the child. Yeah. And so we got to have the guardrails. In fact, we tell them, uh, just like in the Bible, it says that as he was beginning to sink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So we're not going to let you sink. If we see you beginning to sink, then we're going to be there. <laughs> but we want to empower you to make some choices and some decisions yourself. And that's, that's really hard for parents to do. As, as a parent, I know that right. because, you know, you want to, you think, you know, better and you do know better, but you don't necessarily know what's better for this kid because you don't know what God created him to really be. Mm-hmm. And so you really just want to encourage and support and direct and guide him so he can become what he's supposed to be, not what you want him to be. <laughs> exactly. Because you don't want them <laughs> growing up re- uh, resenting you. Uh, or just doing some stuff that, again, sabotages their whole life. Yeah. Just because they make poor decisions just despite you. Mm-hmm. So, Everett, tell us again about the Boss Awards and who you're honoring and how we can uh, take part in this great event. Well, you can you can join us by going to Eventbrite under uh, the Boss Awards. Uh, this year's honorees include the Laker Foundation Executive Director Keisha Nix, uh, Miller Foundation President 
Derek Simpson, uh, San Francisco 49ers, All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman, Turner Construction Vice President Michelle Smith-Ballard, uh, former Tennessee, Oakland Raider, Chicago Bears, Super Bowl great Willie Galt, and uh, uh, pastors Wayne Chaney from Preachers of L.A., and then we'll be giving our first senior award to uh, Andrew Pierce, who's been with us five years, who'll be studying computer science at uh, Long Beach State in the fall. That's great. That's great. And I know Keisha Nix does a lot uh, for the L.A. Lakers Foundation. Uh, tell us about her background. She's our socially boss award winner. And that pillar, um, is, you know, what she's doing is she's using her position to help empower folk in the community by helping to provide resources uh, to nonprofits like Boss so we can try to impact these youngsters. I mean, I think she's, uh, I don't know how many millions of dollars uh, that she's uh, given away or donated to nonprofits since she's had that position. She actually comes out of the financial services industry, where she's for 22 years, I think she was at uh, Merrill Lynch, Bank of America. Oh, right, right. And then she moved over uh, to the Lakers about I don't know, maybe five or ten years ago. But again, everything she does is consistent with being socially bossed, which is why we recognize her because of the impact she's making uh, in the community uh, through the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and doing a lot of uh, great things. And then uh, we, of course, Richard Sherman does a, does a lot for the community as well. Uh, Richard is physically boss our award winner now, and, and because they are in these related to a particular pillar, but they also he's also mentally boss mm-hmm. uh, because he did his thirty three million dollar contract without an agent. Okay, and uh, and he's socially boss also because he's got the blanket foundation and and they've done great things up in Seattle and and they're doing great things in San Francisco and he's done great stuff to help folk here in the Compton. Uh, he's a uh, graduate of Dominguez High. And we got a couple of kids in the program uh, from Dominguez right now. And uh, so he's setting the example for these kids. I mean, you could be a great athlete. You can go pro, but you don't have to forget where you come from. Uh, and you could you can make a profit and you can make a difference. Dr. Cleary is mentally boss uh, for obvious reasons. He's a medical doctor and, and he's, you know, uh, basically helped develop and I think he was part of the group that founded the first hospital that black folk could use over in Los Angeles. And he spent 50 years uh, building on that start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Smith-Ballard is vice president of community uh, engagement for Turner Construction. And so she's economically boss because she's using her position at Turner uh, to create opportunity for minority Construction professionals, you know, every place from architect to engineer to contractor to painter, uh, to get contracts and do work on projects that Turner has. And so, uh, whatever numbers you hear, Butch talking about in Inglewood about the number of minority jobs mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff, they can only make it happen because of the support Michelle Smith Ballard gives them. Fantastic. And uh, and then Derek Simpson, who's our emotionally boss award winner, uh, 
again, is also mentally boss and spiritually boss. He's a poet and an artist. Uh, uh, he's a cancer survivor. And uh, he helped build the Long Beach Community Action Partnership, uh, which is a nonprofit here that uh, I think he took them from maybe a few hundred thousand dollar budget to probably a $15 million budget. And he was just appointed uh, president of the Miller Foundation, which is one of the largest foundations uh, here in Southern California. Oh, and, and so we recognize him. And then he's the first black man um, to be in that position mm-hmm. uh, to actually head a foundation. One of the few around the country. Uh, I think the Ford Foundation, there's a black guy that runs that, and there's a black guy that ran uh, the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. But we use it on the receiving side, not on the giving side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he's, 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 he's writing the checks mm-hmm. and making the decisions on who gets funded. And, and just because, and, and the benefit there is that he knows that you can't just give an organization like $20,000 and tell, tell them to change the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need more. And so one of his, one of his initiatives off the bat is to, reach out to the other foundations and find out who they give money to and try to build strategies so they can actually really help build the capacity of the organizations that they each fund. Right. Yeah. That's great. And uh, yeah. again, you have uh, the students chairing this event, uh, Darius oh, yes. Williams, Jacob Br- oh. Brannon, and... Mackay Williams. Those, those are our co-chairs, but <clears throat> we've got um, Davian Roberts. He plays basketball at Long Beach Poly. He'll be participating. Uh, we've got uh, Jalen Baker, who's at ninth grade over at Millican. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Michelson, Noe Santana, uh, Tavian Sperling, and Christian Rios. Christian is one of our stars. Christian is a ninth grader at St. John Bosco, plays football, basketball, baseball. He's an Eagle Scout, and he's in the choir. (laughs) (laughs) A high achiever. He's a a high achiever. (laughs) We've got, um, there's about, uh, and we've got Shakar and Elijah, their brothers, uh, Shakar and Elijah Rita. We've got about 20 of the kids who actually be uh, involved in the program and they'll do everything from welcome people to the event to sharing the background about boss. They'll be introducing our, uh, uh, honorary host, which is, uh, Brooks Darnell, uh, the actor from the young and restless, running restless. And, uh, he's just in a movie with, uh, what is that? The Lowry, the twins, a Christmas story of a Tamika, or I forget their names, the Lowry sisters, the twins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was just in that movie. So he's our, he's actually the honorary host. <clears throat> and uh, so they'll be introducing him. They'll be introducing each of the honorees, and they'll be sharing their growth and development in the area of the particular pillar that they represent. So that uh, Mackay Williams will be introducing Keisha Nix. We'll talk about how he's becoming more socially boss. Mm-hmm. And his brother, who'll be introducing Richard Sherman, we'll be talking about how he's becoming more physically boss. And then Tyzer Hardy, who'll be introducing Dr. Uh, Creer, will be talking about how he's becoming more mentally boss. And uh, R.J. Jenkins, who'll be introducing Brooks Darnell, will be talking about how 
uh, he's combined all the pillars because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think Brooks Darnell was actually a, uh, was an athlete growing up, but he got hurt and then he moved on to acting. Mm-hmm. And so RJ is a baseball player and he had to have surgery on his arm last year. So he thought his career is over and, you know, but he's back in the saddle now, but he had to then uh, focus on some other things. He wants to be a marine biologist. Mm. And so they're just going to do, they're going to be doing more than just say, you know, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> they're <laughs> really going. They, they're actually going to be talking about how this pillar relates to what they're trying to get done. Right. And they're doing it and you're doing it. And I want to thank you again for sharing the experience uh, of Boss Awards with us and what you're doing. Again, for tickets, you could go to eventbrite.com. Calm and yeah. uh, Google uh, the third annual Boss Awards to get tickets. And we look forward to seeing you there for the first time. We're yes. excited to have you join us. Yes, I, I'm excited to come as well. And I remember when you asked me to come uh, the first time to a a mentoring roundtable here That'll at be Friday. Uh, that we actually will have that Friday. That's a full day for about 250 kids who are not in the program. And we'll be sharing with them what we do in the program. And oh, we'll have a bunch of mentors uh, from the Rams and Lakers and Chargers and uh, ESPN and all kind of folk, just um, professionals, architects, engineers, mm-hmm. uh, who'll be sharing their success strategies and, and their career paths with the kids. And Microsoft's going to do a remote gaming thing, so they're going to play Fortnite after lunch. Oh, great. <laughs> That'll be Friday. And then Saturday we have the gala. Yeah. Um, it's great that you're you're doing this, and uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. I'm looking forward to seeing you next Saturday. All right. And again, Mr. Everett Glenn and the 2020 Boss Awards. I'm Lafern Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710.